Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to this time of opening up your word and worshiping you, Lord, with our hearts and our minds. Lord, we pray that you would speak to us this morning. We thank you for your holy, inspired, and inerrant word. Thank you that you have revealed yourself to us that we might know you and have a relationship with you through your word. It is your word that points us to the word which became flesh, Jesus Christ. Lord, open our hearts to see Jesus and write the eternal truths of your word on our hearts. This this I pray in Christ's name. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. We're going to look at verses 11 through 18 this morning. If you don't have a Bible, uh, you can get the Pew Bible there and turn to page 852. 852 in the, the Pew Bible there. And uh, just saying, if you, if you don't have a Bible, then you take that Pew Bible home with you. Uh, we, that's our gift to you today. We want to, to make sure you have a copy of God's Word. So you ha- take that Bible with you and keep it and read it. Uh, if you do have a eight or ten Bibles at home and you just didn't bring it, well, borrow that today and uh, then bring your Bible next week. But uh, uh, just make sure you have a Bible with you this morning. We're going to open and we're going to look at this, this passage this morning. <clears throat> John chapter 20. Looking at verses 11 through 18, uh, and you see there Easter, we're still doing the Easter thing, right? Because, and you're thinking, well, last week was Easter. Well, praise God that Resurrection Sunday uh, is, means a whole lot more than just one day. And we're going to continue looking at the Easter story, the Resurrection story, <clears throat> and going to finish out John's account of it over the course of the next couple of weeks. So today we're looking at John 20, verses 11 through 18. Uh, Let me open this morning with a a kind of a parable. John and Tom were sitting at work there in uh, their adjoined desk, just doing their work, working away, staying focused on their task. Well, then the the boss came out and, and called Tom into his office. Well, Tom was in there for quite a while, almost an hour. John actually began to get a little concerned. What was going on? Well, finally, Tom came out and sat back down in his desk, and, and John was like, well, is everything okay? And Tom looked at him, and suddenly a big grin came on his face. Is everything okay? It's great. It was good news. Good news. I've been promoted to the uh, head over our department. John looked at him and kind of gave him a half-hearted grin. Man, that is good. That's great. Inside his, in his heart and under his breath, he, he said, or you. You see, John had applied for the same position. 
You see, good news is, well, it's according to perspective, isn't it? Good news is good for those it benefits, but for those it doesn't benefit, is it such good news? The resurrection is good news. It is good news, and it can be good news for you if you trust in Jesus. Today we're going to look at why the resurrection is such good news. And I hope today that uh, you see why the resurrection is such good for you, why it's so good, such good news for you as an individual. The good news of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So today we're going to look here at this passage in, in John. And we're going to see three reasons the resurrection is good news. Three reasons why the resurrection is good news. Now, let me kind of just review a little bit. Last week, we talked about uh, Mary Magdalene. She went to the grave. Jesus was dead and buried. And Mary Magdalene, on the first day of the week, on Sunday, she went to the the grave, and and she and a, a company of women with her, and they were going to go into the, to, to the tomb. They were going to get somebody to roll the stone back so they could go in and, and kind of take care of, of the body of Jesus. And that was customary. They would, they would continue to anoint it for uh, a couple of days. Uh, and so they were wanting to go in and, and take care of the body of Jesus. But when Mary got there, when the women got there, they noticed that the stone had been taken away. It was removed from the, the tomb, and so they go in, and lo and behold, Jesus' body was gone. And so Mary, you remember, she, she ran back, and she ran back into town, and she found John and Peter, and she told them that what they had found there, that Jesus' body was gone. The stone, the stone was rolled away, the tomb was open, and Jesus' body was not where it was supposed to be. And so John and Peter, they take off on a rat race to the tomb, they go there, and they find it just as the women had said. And you remember, John believed. He remembered what Jesus had been t- teaching them, that he must be crucified, and he would rise again. And John believed. But now we pick up the story with Mary. John and Peter, they kind of fade away. They, they go back to their places in Jerusalem, and, and Mary is left there. And so we kind of pick up there with that. So let's, let's start there at verse 11. Or actually, I'm going to read verse 10 and then into 11 to kind of make that transition. Then the disciples, Peter and John, went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. She stood weeping outside the tomb. Now, that word weep there, when we think of, of weeping, we might think of little sniffles, right? <laughs> That little tear. That's not what John is saying here. That word weeping, the word that John uses for weeping, it means to, to lament. She was boohooing. She was pouring out her heart. She was grieving. If you would have, have come up on Mary, you would have seen a woman in, in great distress because she had come to the tomb of her, her Lord and he was gone. She was in distress. She was weeping and wailing there at the tomb. That's what it means when it says she was weeping. She was wailing 
outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stood to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white standing where the body of Jesus had lain, or sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Now that kind of sounds rough in, in our English. Woman, why are you weeping? That's not the, the, the feel here. It, it's more like, Dear lady, dear woman, why are you weeping? Why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know him, know that it was Jesus. So she's sitting there, she's talking to these angels in the tomb, and, and she senses someone coming in behind her. You ever had somebody come up behind you and kind of, you maybe not even see them, but you, you sense them? That's what's happening here. She, Jesus comes and she senses someone's behind her. Maybe she hears a, a, a rock or something crumble on the ground, and she turns around and she looks at Jesus, but she doesn't know him. Now, now, this isn't an extraordinary thing. We know that other people, after the resurrection, uh, when they come upon the resurrected Jesus, other people didn't recognize him either. Uh, there's something about his resurrected body that's different than it was uh, with his natural body, with his uh, uh, earthly body. The resurrected body has, has transformed. It's, it's shifted a bit. Even his own disciples, the, well, Luke, for instance, tells us about the disciples on the way to uh, Emmaus. And, and they walked with Jesus for seven miles with Jesus teaching them. And, and they never realized it was Jesus until the end when he opened their eyes to see and they realized it was him. Even at the end of John, we'll see in a couple of weeks that the disciples are out, out fishing and, and they come up and Jesus comes up there and they're, they're sitting there eating with Jesus and, and they kind of know inside it's Jesus, uh, but, but there's something different about him. And, and so there's something different about this resurrected body. It's transformed. It's, it's, absolutely, it's absolute perfection. And so as she turns and she looks to Jesus, she doesn't recognize him. And so she begins to, to question him. Says there, uh, she said to him, excuse me, let me find my place here. Um, she turned and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, again, woman, dear, dear woman, dear, dear lady, why are, you, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Now, notice that word there, whom. Whom. Now, we read this in passing, but Jesus says, whom are you seeking? Not what you are seeking. Now, we typically think of a dead body not as a whom, but a what. But Jesus says, whom. Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried, away, carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Now think about that. Here is 
Mary. A little old woman, a little old lady, right? Probably not that stout. And she says, if you've taken him away, if you've taken his body away, just tell me where you've laid it, and, and I'll take him. Like, like, this would be an impossible task for her to do on her own, to pick up a man's dead body and, and take it somewhere. But that's her love for Jesus. She loves Jesus, and she's willing to do whatever it takes to take care of his dead body. If you, if you laid him somewhere, tell me, and, and I'll struggle under the weight of it, but I will take him I will care for him I will make sure his body is taken well care of tell me where you have taken him and I will I'll take care of him and then Jesus says to her Mary Mary she turns and said to him in Aramaic Rabbani which means teacher. When Jesus calls Mary's name, she hears the voice of her Lord and she realizes this is him. This is Jesus. This is my teacher. This is my Lord. She hears him and responds. Now, in, earlier in John's Gospel, in John chapter 10, Jesus teaches this teaching, my sheep. See, Jesus is the shepherd. And he says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Hear the shepherd calls his sheep, Mary, Mary. And she hears his voice and responds, Rabbi. Oh, do you see the change in Mary's life in that split moment? I want you to see the first benefit of the resurrection. The first reason that the resurrection is good news for you is because the resurrection changes your reality. The resurrection changes your reality. Mary was in a a moment of despair. She was lamenting. She was weeping. She was groaning under the stress of of losing her Lord. And in a moment, despair is turned to joy and rejoicing. In a moment, when we understand the resurrection, our despair turns to delight. Despair turns to delight. It changes the way we view the world. Our reality changes from the temporal to the eternal. No longer do we think in just the realm of this world, but we think of all of eternity. That's what happens with the resurrection. You see, for unbelievers, for those who do not trust in Jesus, this world is all there is. And so the problems and the worries of this world consume them. They tear them down. But the resurrection changes all of that. It changes our view of of the world. It changes our view of our very life. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 17 through 18, for this light momentary affliction 
is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen but to the things that are unseen for the things that are seen are transient they're temporal they're temporary but the things that are unseen are eternal well I've I've been to a lot of funerals in my days as a pastor conducted a, a, a bunch of funerals I've conducted some funerals of some people who were can I say questionably Christian at best and some that were most likely not and you, you feel the, the atmosphere there is heavy, it's weighty. There's deep, deep sorrow. But man, the funeral of a believer, of one of God's saints, oh yes, there's, there's still that grief, there's still sorrow, but it's a light sorrow. Uh, that, that kind of service is, it, it's, there, there's mourning, but it's also fueled with joy. Because it, it's a time of mourning for those people who are, are, left, by, are left back because, because it's like they, this friend has departed for a while. But th then again, there's this celebration, there's, there's this rejoicing that comes with it because we know that loved one has gone on to glory to be with Jesus. Their life of this life of suffering is over. And so it's marked with, yes, a little bit of a sorrow, but an overwhelming sense of joy and rejoicing. See, the resurrection changes our reality. It changes our perspective on life. Whatever we may be facing, whatever trials and sorrows that we face in life, the resurrection changes those. Those don't weigh us down any longer. They no longer destroy you. As you begin to understand they're only for a moment. And what God has for us in eternity is, oh, it's glorious and wonderful. It makes the, even the worst struggles that we go through in life, it makes them look small in comparison to the glory we have waiting for us in heaven. Psalm 30, verse 5 says, Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. The resurrection is good news for you today, my friend, if you trust in Jesus, because it changes your reality. Second, the resurrection is good news because the resurrection changes your relationship. The resurrection changes your relationship. It changes your relationship with God. Notice what Jesus says says there after he calls her name Mary she responds Rabbi and then you imagine here she sees Jesus Rabbi and she falls to her feet falls to his feet this was Mary who who when Jesus was was sitting at table she comes in and she she anoints Jesus's feet with oil with an expensive oil and wipes his feet with her hair. This is that Mary. And now Jesus shows up and changes things. And she, Rabbi, and she has fallen down at his feet. She is clinging to his feet in gratitude that he is there. And Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, 
Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go tell my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Now this little verse is packed full of good stuff. It's packed full of good stuff. You see, we see in this verse, first of all, that because of the resurrection, our relationship to God the Father has changed. Our relationship to God the Father has changed. Jesus says, I'm going to the Father. I'm going to my Father and your Father. My God and your God. You see, now the relationship between God the Father and the disciples of Jesus, it's changed because of the resurrection. You see, Ephesians chapter 2 says that we were once children of wrath like the rest of mankind. The, the Bible tells us that before Jesus' resurrection, we were enemies of God. We were objects of God's wrath because of our sin and our rebellion against God. But because of the resurrection, because Jesus died on the cross and paid for our sin and was buried and was raised again, our relationship with God has changed. No longer are we children of wrath. Now we're children of God. He's our Father. And not just in kind of this, this, this bland sense as He's creator over us. and that No, it's, it's familial. He's our Father. Imagine that, that our Creator has now come into that kind of relationship with us. He's your Father because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Not only has it changed our relationship with God the Father, but it's also changed our relationship with God the Son. Notice again what he says there, go to the brethren, go to my brothers. Now that's you know, that's kind of a, a masculine term, I understand that, but, but the, the emphasis here is not just on the male disciples, because it wasn't just the male disciples who were gathered there. He had women who followed him just like Mary, and there were a whole host of women who followed him who were his disciples. What Jesus is saying here, go tell, go tell my brothers and sisters, go tell my siblings, go tell them what I'm sending you to tell them. You see, our relationship with Jesus has changed. Before Jesus' resurrection, he called his disciples servants. He called his disciples friends. But now, for the first time, he calls them brethren. Go tell my brothers and sisters that I'm going to my Father and your Father, my God and your God. You see, his relationship has changed. Now Jesus is, is like a brother. Ephesians chapter 2 again tells us that though we were once children of wrath, but now God has, has, he, he has seated us with him, right? He has lifted us up. He has seated us with Christ. We are now heirs with Christ because of what Jesus did, his death, burial, and resurrection because he paid for our sins and was raised again, now we are his siblings. Joint heirs with Christ. 
imagine all that our Father owns, all that He has, is now ours. Because of our relationship with Jesus. Because of the resurrection. Not only has it changed our relationship with God the Father and God the Son, but it's also changed our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Now, that's not explicit in our, our text here, but, but if we back up a few uh, chapters there in John's Gospel, we remember that Jesus told his disciples in John chapter 14, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that is the Holy Spirit, who, uh, to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. The rest of the world can't receive it. They can't receive him. Because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Before the resurrection, he just dwelled with the disciples. But after the resurrection, then on the day of Pentecost, he fell down and began to dwell within them. And he dwells in us. John 17, or 16, 7 says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send Him to you. And so our relationship with the Holy Spirit has changed because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, where once the Holy Spirit was just with the people of God, now the Holy Spirit dwells within us. He's in us, working to, to, to change us and transform us into the image of Jesus Christ. To give us the power to, to live a godly life in Christ Jesus. Because of the resurrection, our, our relationship with God has changed. No longer are we just servants, but we are children of God. Joint heirs with Christ. Indwelled by the Holy Spirit. You know, there's something different about the familial relationship. Knew a guy who, um, he, he was a hard worker and worked really hard to build up a business, a, a good, solid business. He loved his business and he, he worked hard at it day in and day out. When he wasn't at church, basically he was out there taking care of, of business and getting things done. He was a good boss to work for. His, the workers typically, they, they enjoyed working for the man because he took care of them. But he expected them to do their job. You've you got to be on time. You've got to do your work, and, and I'll take care of you, right? But then, you know, there was, let's say, John. I'm just going to call him John. John was, he was one of the workers, and he would come to work, and sometimes he would show up late. He kind of half-hearted did, did things. Uh, he was always breaking equipment. But this man, he, he, that was the one person he would never fire. Oh, he would get on to him occasionally, but he would never fire old John. Why do you think that is? Because John was his son. You see, the family, familial relationship, that father-son relationship, it changes the dynamics of things. Right? A son, a child may mess up. But just because that child messes up doesn't mean they lose the father's love. 
Dear friend, you may mess up. You will mess up, man. I've messed up a lot. You will mess up in life. And you may even feel the, the chastisement, the discipline of, of God from time to time. But you trust in Jesus. God's your father. Jesus is your brother. And that's not going to change anything. God will still love you when you mess up. And he will help you through the power of the Holy Spirit. He will help you get up and press on in life. The resurrection is great news because of our changes, our relationship with God. The resurrection is good news because of the resurrection... It, it changes your reality. It changes your relationship with God. And third, because the resurrection is good news because the resurrection changes your responsibility. The resurrection changes your responsibility. Look there again what it says there. Jesus tells her, do not, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go. Go. To my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And that he had, and that he had said these things to her. You see, Mary is the first uh, evangelist. <laughs> She's the first evangelist after the resurrection of Jesus. She goes, go. Go tell the brothers, go tell the disciples that I have resurrected. And Mary is the first one sent out by Christ, the resurrected Christ, to go take the good news. And she goes and announces, He has risen, He has risen. All of a sudden, Mary's life has changed. Her priority in life has changed. She has a new purpose, a new reason for living. Now is the time of, of graduation. Many people are graduating from high school, college, and, and different places. And, and graduation is a time where, where students often begin to think, well, what's next? What's my purpose in life? And I can remember asking that question. It took me almost 10 years to figure that out. But finally, God gave me a purpose. He gave me a reason to live, a reason to function in this world. I want you to know, dear Christian, you have a reason. You have a purpose. And yes, you may, you may farm. You may, you may work in a factory. You may be a, a doctor or a lawyer or a nurse or whatever you may do in, in this world as an occupation, but you have a greater calling and a greater purpose given to you by God. That in whatever you do in life, you are to be a witness, a proclaimer to the world. He has risen. He has risen. Christ has risen indeed. You are to share the good news of Jesus Christ with a lost and dying world. Your purpose is no longer tempora temporary. No, you have a, a new purpose with eternal consequences. Man, you, you might do great things in the secular world. 
Uh, you could, could go on and do great and wonderful things in the secular world, but in the end, all the things that we do in this world will fade away. But what we do for His glory is eternal. That's why Jesus says to us, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where thief breaks in and steal, moth and rust destroy, but build up for yourself treasures in heaven where thief can never break in and steal, moth and rust can never destroy. Build up for yourself treasure in heaven, eternal treasure. Dear friend, the resurrection gives you new a new reason to live, a greater responsibility, an eternal responsibility of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with those who are around you. Whatever you do as an occupation in this world, oh, yeah, God has called you to that too, but he's called you to that because he's got people there he wants you to witness to. He's got people there he wants you to tell about Jesus you have a purpose. You have a reason. I don't know. How, it don't matter how young you are or how old you are. If you trust in Jesus, you have a purpose in life to share the good news of Jesus Christ with the world. A temporary purpose offers temporary joy, but an eternal purpose offers everlasting joy. Dear friend, I want to challenge you. Live for something bigger than yourself. Live for something greater than yourself. Live for God. The resurrection is good news today because it changes your reality, it changes your relationship with God, and it changes your responsibility. But here's the most important message that I want you to hear today. The resurrection is only good news if you respond to Jesus Christ in faith. The resurrection is only good news if you respond to Jesus Christ in faith, if you trust Him, if you give your life to Him. Then the resurrection is great, wonderful news. But if you reject Him, if you reject Him, it's the worst news you can ever hear because it seals your judgment. You are a sinner. You've lived your life in rebellion against God wanting to do life your way instead of His way. Because of your rebellion, you deserve judgment. But because of God's love, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for you, absorbing your judgment, absorbing your punishment for your rebellion, so that he might give you the reward that Jesus deserves for his, his life of, of obedience. Oh, dear friend, if you trust in Jesus, the resurrection is good news because that assures you of God's love and the blessings He has waiting for you. 
But it's only good if you trust Jesus. Have you given your life to Jesus today? Have you trusted, trusted in Him? Oh, dear Christians, today we rejoice. We rejoice because of the good news of the resurrection. And that should fuel us to go out and tell this lost world about Jesus. But if you're here and you've never trusted in Jesus, let today be the day of salvation. Turn to Jesus. Trust in him. He died for you. He was resurrected for you. It will change your life. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you today for the resurrection. And Lord, it is good news for us who have trusted in you, trusted in the salvation that you have for us in Jesus Christ. Oh, but Lord, if there's any today, surely they are, there are. We've never trusted in Jesus. Oh, Lord, open their hearts. Change their hearts today. Let them not leave here until they surrender their all to you. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen.